The reward is cut, you know, quite nominally from what are we at 900 to 450, 225, 112, 56, 28, 14. And we started talking about like, I know people that have 14 Bitcoin, right? Like not a ton of people, but it's not a zero sum figure. And you're talking in seven halvings in 28 years. That would be the entire daily production, which currently is, you know, tens of millions of dollars. And you're like, holy shit, dude. Like if that trend holds, like the value of what we're dealing with is so insane. Hey everybody, this is the High Hash Rate Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Dan. And this podcast is just two plebs getting high and talking about Bitcoin, life, and the absurdity of the fiat world. Our guests don't necessarily get high with us, and you don't have to either. But it helps. Yo, welcome back to High Hash Rate. Today, we're talking with Jeremy. Jeremy Hoddle is how he goes on Twitter. He's uh, described himself as a fiat intolerant Bitcoin maximalist. How you doing, Jeremy? I'm good, man. How are you guys? doing great man so uh first thing i noticed that this is an audio only podcast but for thing first thing i noticed when uh, we jumped on the recording software is that i've seen you at like four different conferences multiple times in fact this time in miami i thought you were my friend who i was looking for and i stopped you i'm like oh shit sorry not it's the right Jeremy person <laughs> uh, and, it, and it was this guy it was this guy i remember and because we was we were playing poker at uh uh bit block boom last summer and he was in there. I remember him from that too. <laughs> yeah, man. I try to get around all the conferences. It's it's the best one. How many have you been to at this point? If do you think you have kept track? What's your body count? Your conference count? Yeah, right. I feel like those whores. Um, and find three. I think. <laughs> uh, shit. I've let's see. This year I've been to, um, kind of all I can think of. Right. So we had like Miami. I was at Big Block Boom. I'll be at Pacific Bitcoin, Amsterdam, Lugano, adopting Bitcoin in November. So that's, that's a good one. Yeah. Did you go yeah. to adopting Bitcoin previously? I did. And then it's I'll great. go to also Unscalable, which I've not been to. So I haven't been to that one either. Uh, have you been to Lugano? No, I've never gone to Europe since I was like 19. I was in the UK once. Nice. So that'll be a big trip. I'm bet. What, uh, what made you, you said you haven't been to Europe in years. What made you decide, dude, I'm hitting the, the conferences? Uh, so really my fiat job is vanishing. So like I work for a family owned winery and you know, the, okay. the tightening and shit has come to the point where unrelated, right? Just the family decided it was time to sell and get out of the wine business. And so we're there as kind of wrapping up stuff and I'm the controller. So kind of accounting towards the end, some through November. But like most people got laid off in August and there's not a whole lot to do. So I asked my boss like, Hey, the nine hour difference, whatever, eight hour difference, do you give a shit? He's French. And so kind of like <laughs> have that bias in my favor. And he's like, oh yeah, that's cool. And I was like, sweet. So I had no reason not to go, but you know, usually it's just hard to travel overseas what, for it. What happens after the winery? Closed. Yeah. So what they yeah. did well, first is they stole. They sold all the brands to like a larger company. So like they didn't even sell the winery. They sold the inventory and the brands, which is like what you'd see on the shelf. You never know the difference. Um, but then the winery itself, they're still looking for a buyer. So the physical vineyards and land and winery try to find someone to buy it, but liquidating the, the grapes. What's up? 
they're liquidating the grapes just in a different way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All the yeah. all the grapes, all our juice, all the bulk. Are, uh, do you do you have like a winery background, Jeremy? No, so I have an accounting background, so I can do anything. But I was at a, the world's largest private farm before that, like they did row crops and tomatoes and uh, pistachios. And like, I was just looking for a job. I mean, the nice thing about accounting and kind of why I ended up in the field uh, was I was in school during 08 and I worked at Nordstrom and it was all a commission. And then like, I took a pay cut and I'm like, wait, what the fuck? Like, I'm taking a pay cut? What did I do wrong? Uh, and I was like, yo, I'm not a big fan of this. And then was like trying to get more serious in uh, college without just dragging ass. And um, yeah, and accounting fucking was easy and people were like hating this class. I had a teacher pull me aside and he's like, hey, you should think about it. I was like, dude, it sounds really boring. And he's like, well, you could also do finance because that's not why I thought that sounded interesting. I ended up dropping finance and doing just accounting, but it is relatively boring to do the work. It's really fun to do the uh, thought experiments of planning ahead and shit. What's, uh, I guess uh, his question is like, what's next after the the winery closes? So that's the, what's next for the winery. What about you? Find another agriculture uh, Dude, business I'm to account for? I asked to get a job in Bitcoin. So Okay. Again, they don't need a lot of me, but they do need at least one of me. Right. Uh, well, um, isn't there a Bitcoin winery? Yeah, Peony uh, Lane. So yeah, yeah Peony Lane is like a Bitcoiner that produces wine. But like... It's, it's not a, a business, not a corporation. Right? Like he's yeah. like... Oh, I got it. Okay. There's tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of winery. But like, that winery I was at was like a top 50. So like okay. they were doing half a million cases a year. Pretty good volume. And can can, can you just devour because my competitor on? Can you briefly describe what you did at the winery? Like, what's the um... account? He was an so, account. Like, I don't even know how a wine... Oh, you're an account. I see. You're an account yeah. arm of the winery. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I just did. Oh, I mean, you know, a lot of cost analysis stuff. But month closes, paying all the bills, reconciling shit, managing you, people. You like how I I come up to date with probably something that's already been said like five several times. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like it wasn't said that clearly. And dude, accounting is it, oh, it can be related. You know, it it's not what it sounds like to most people. Okay, like, where you so schools unrelated in ways. Right. So the people come into Bitcoin, right? Like the number go up, or maybe they get like really into Bitcoin mining, or they get whatever. But like, what in my opinion, the underappreciated as aspect of Bitcoin, right? Is it's this uh, double? Is it triple entry? Uh, double entry. Uh, Double entry accounting, right? Yeah, yeah. Double entry accounting it, is the it, foundation of what accounting is. Right. And so the the time chain is kind of like a perfect ledger, right? Like it's an improvement on double entry. Is that how you look at so it? Or that would work. The difference would be um, I'd probably still have the double entry accounting for my internal books, right? But we know that the network level Sure. Double entry is good, right? So anytime I really give up hundred dollars to some other entity, it's not I also have the hundred. Um work was for internal accounting is kind of trying to track where the shit came from and where it went. Sure. Right. So like we got money and how do we get money? It's like could have borrowed it, could have made it, someone could have invested, right? And so that's your right. dub as a crates. And um yeah. But yeah, the perfect ledger of Bitcoin being the monetary network is so superior in so many ways because just as good accounting at a company makes it easier to make better decisions, makes 
certain inappropriate things more noticeable when they shouldn't happen, uh, it'd be the same concept, right? So if you do commit fraud on a Bitcoin standard, you know, maybe it's political, right? You're trying to buy a campaign. It's there for someone to discover. Now, might not happen quickly, might not be there, but it's there's a record, right? And that's how you discover fraud after fraud when you do, you know, certified fraud examining and kind of accountant stuff. Like you're just looking at records, and eventually, it, I'm trying to hide stuff while also getting the benefit of being recognized, right? So it's like the idea of money laundering or anything, right? I'm trying to get the good without the bad mind, it, which never works out but right right so the uh there's a lot of you know people are like oh, really big into privacy and like adding more privacy to the um transactions yeah. on the on the base layer but it's a double or it's a trade-off right because if you had perfect privacy on the base layer you wouldn't be able to as easily recognize some of these frauds that people could commit uh because everything right now is, is open and it's uh tr- so a lot of people think that the government's trying to keep track of us when of course they are, but not enough, not enough people recognize that we can use it to keep track of them a lot easier. It's a lot more transparent if they were to use Bitcoin, which they are using Bitcoin. They're definitely users. They're the government holds Bitcoin. They use Bitcoin. I'm sure the deep state or the CIA has used Bitcoin or is using it now. Um, has it's and, we, lot. and if we can freaking KYC those motherfuckers, we could keep them in check. Yeah, I, just, I agree. That similar thought experiment, and same with like corporates and stuff, where people are like, "Oh, you make all this money." If you kind of have like a public wallet address at some level, you probably have that many. But like, you could kind of see the net you have, and you'd see, "No, we did pay our taxes. Here's that outflow, or, or we did donate this money, or we did reinvest in new equipment, or whatever." You know, people try to claim about why us making a lot of money isn't bad, as there's that kind of poor and rich you know, fight they're trying to create for us, right? Right. Divide right. just one more way they need us to divide it. Class so, warfare. Yeah. It, I mean, they're better at it than I am fighting it, so I mean, shit. <laughs> right. Shouldn't talk them that much, I guess. Can, Jeremy, then is it the record-keeping aspect of Bitcoin that intrigues you the most? Yeah, what what uh, what, what drew you in? Drew me into one, man. I was trying to get rich. Of course. Was like, when was that? Uh, yeah, I came in like 17. I was unemployed, okay. traveling overseas. Uh, the girl I was dating at the time mentioned it, and I was like, I never looked at it. But like, so those things, like I had nothing to do in life at the moment. I'm unemployed. But we're in like, I was in Bali or something. I remember looking to do it, and I, I didn't know shit, but I did know, oh, this is going to pop off. And it was just after the, the fort of the Bitcoin cash. And I was like, oh man, that's cool. Like if you were around, you just like doubled your money. Kind of thing. Right. Talk split. Uh, which was still way over my head. I was dumb enough to think like, if they're getting that, yeah, Bitcoin would be like your savings account. Bitcoin cash would be like your checkings account. And yeah, they can like both coexist. Like why wouldn't that make sense? Fucking retarded, right? Right. Uh, but yeah, I came in, number go up. Uh, I, I could kind of spot trends. And then I was mad I dip on the first part. And then just stuck around and like some, the one thing that really worked out for me was, uh, I was in the divorce and it finalized in like December of 18. So I was able to roll over my retirement in January of 19. I like the low and I was, then that was my other paralyzing move was like, well, it's a long-term thing and Bitcoin's not going to you know change the world tomorrow. Cool. Retirement money. That's a perfect 
you know, off-world allocation right, or, right. or matching of timing. And then, you know, so I was buying very little when it was, you know, four or five grand. Yeah. I already had some in retirement account. What more do you need? Right. Um, and then, yeah, you know, like for me, it was January 2020. So before COVID, but, you know, same timeline, 10 year. I was looking at the halving coming. I was just like, so you're telling me if no one else wanted Bitcoin, if it's just, so at that point, I'm kind of DCA, right? I'm like, just the same crazy bastards that I meet and hang out with. All right. And they're eating up to demand at the, the price it is, the, the new inflow. I'm like, that's, there's an equilibrium, right? That's how prices kind of stabilize. We'll, we'll argue and theorize. Well, shit, if they cut the production half, doesn't the price just need to double to satisfy us? Right. Just us crazy bastards buying, you know, the 10 million a day or whatever the DCU total up to it. I was like, oh shit. And then I famously told myself at that time, I was like, oh, Bitcoin will double before Tesla ever does. I traded up <laughs> with my <laughs> Tesla, whatever other shit investments I had with full Bitcoin. And then Tesla was up like fivefold before Bitcoin doubled. So you're like, well, shit. Shows with that, I don't know. But I was still more comfortable. Because again, like at this point now, or now, 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 like the fiat measure of wealth is kind of humorous. Like I almost giggle about it. If it's up or it's down, or people talk about it, like, ooh, so and so has done this or, or had that and lost it. And it's like, I was, just, I was leveraged going to the last one, like, <laughs> the bottom. It's like 95%. Like, who gives a fuck? I had no money when I started this. I, that 5% was more money than I've ever saved in my life. So I finally had a, a mechanism to, an interest in, like, a, an enjoyment through. Like, usually saving money doesn't sound fun, but like buying Bitcoin right. time. It, you and feel like you're accomplishing something. You got to compound it quicker, which I always makes it wiser. It's also just like, I'm not funding their bullshit. Exactly. Right. You're not playing this. You don't have to play the game. Balls, but I'm not, I'm not happily funding the bullshit. And like the fun stuff I do again, I'm going to CPA by trade. So I kind of enough of like how you can like piss them off without getting in trouble. Right. So like, I mean, just very behind on my taxes because <laughs> I know like the time. rates charged. You know, you know when you can file. Like I haven't filed for 2022 yet. I'll wait till October 15th, and then I'll pay them maybe January of next year. So I'm like two years behind on average because you're going to devalue it. I'm going to take the money and go buy Bitcoin. By the time I pay you, I might be like giving you some of my gain money in theory. Right. You know, I wouldn't be selling the Bitcoin, but. New cash flow that doesn't go to buy Bitcoin is the same as selling Bitcoin without Dude, a tax report. And having CPA skills is so important. Hell yeah, that's oh my that's God. why all the that's why all the politicians are lawyers and accountants. I don't think there's many accountants, but yeah, lawyers no, especially. Yeah, because yeah. if you know the law, you know how to write laws to make sure that you don't screw your friends while making it look like you did. Like, true. Oh, true. we took care of that. We we finally whatever the fuck. Uh, corruption. So you, yeah, you said you're trying to piss them off. Like the government's getting ready to shut down because they're running out of money because motherfuckers are delaying their tax payments. Yeah, I hope so. That's yeah. So you I get them. That's how you get them. So you get them back. I, yeah, I would. Shit, I would encourage more people to do it. Even though I think, I think I could actually lose my CPA license if I encourage people to not. This is not financial tax. advice. This is not recommendation. This is my. No, nah, it totally is. <laughs> Jeremy, I, I had a question for you based on your tw some of your tweets and uh, I'm just hearing you speak. What do you, what's your relationship with Clown World? Say that again. What about Clown World? What's your relationship with Clown World? What do you think about Clown oh, World? Oh, fuck. 
Um, yeah, you're traveling yeah, a lot. You're seeing it. You're see. You're on the ground. Yeah, yeah. So like, I've been doing. One person likes to take a lot of different variables together and come up with like my own opinions. And like one of the reasons, it's been about a year and a half. I've been doing the nomad thing, and one of the reasons I got started with it was. I was curious where you'd want to be when the dominoes start to fall. I consider I'll start at one end of the dominoes and then end at the other. I'd like to be at the end and be able to look around and see, oh, they've started toppling. Am I still comfortable here? Like, I want to see it come and not just be surprised one day. So, obviously, I've been mainly in Florida and Texas, right? Like, we know the red states first, the blue states. Left California. Was in Nevada for a little while. I'm back, actually, in Vegas at the moment. Um... Nevada's not bad, but its worst problem is its proximity to California. Right. Right. Like, it's, if your best friend's a dramatic piece of shit, like, you could be the coolest dude ever. You're getting too much problems. This kid should he's an idiot. You're on the company like, you keep. Here's like $5 for no fucking reason. And I'm like, literally, it's two bucks more than I drove out of Texas, like, a few days ago. And you're like, oh, it's the same shit, dude. I promise. I, 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 I encapsulate this not a Have you seen OG product, right? When you were so, in Vegas, I, I assume you probably, do you go to the, do you hang out on the strip or what? Or do no. you like know somebody that lives there? Like a local? No, no, no. I, I do. I say random Airbnbs when I travel okay. around. Okay. Okay. Uh, and so, no, don't know anybody. Have, I you, have, have you, uh, have you encountered the, the, uh, underground people that in Vegas, you know what I'm talking about? That dude, it's, it's real. I've not, but like, you don't know that who they are. I know where in the city that is. Yeah. Like during the summer, yeah, they go into the sewers. Yeah. Because the heat is so uh, so brutal. But like, dude, there's like its own little city down there. Like it, it's right, got like, a lone human civilization, if you want to call the world civil. Um it has its own protocols, its own behaviors. Like someone went down there and should have been down there, and I think they right. got killed a few years back. Like it's it's weird. Yeah, I man. saw it's, I saw it's, too, it's weird these days. I saw this thing in I saw the story in Vice magazine like years ago before Vice got really shitty, and it was about those underground people in Vegas. Like they live in like you said the sewers, like these giant underground pipes that uh, the city built to manage flooding because like it doesn't rain yeah. very often there. But if it does, it's you know it doesn't soak into the ground right. Like there's tons of flooding it's and they got to run it. They'll flood in right. And so I think it was just a few weeks ago. I think it was like a result of like the hurricane that hit California, but they like Vegas got a shitload of rain. There was a ton of flooding. Yep. So like I, and it, it's the middle of the summer and like, I haven't seen any news reports, but I wonder how many, cause they said like when the floodwaters start to come down, like people just get washed away, they lose everything. And they like a bunch of people drown. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, the, the, the fucking sewer people like in Vegas, I wonder if there's any of them left. I mean, the, that's the middle class when they put a bunch of money, right? Same thing. Exactly. Of, just driving you underground. Washed yeah. away. It's like the uh, fucking, yeah. The story from the Bible, Noah's Ark, man, the flood. <laughs> That's a very good example of clown, clown world for sure. Right. So, I wonder yeah, if I'm, the I wonder if the underground people, if they could benefit from Bitcoin. I mean, of course, right? Like the dignity I think Bitcoin means you alone. I think would be the most bang for your buck on, on like the really important. Give them high time right? preference again, You'll, or low time preference again. Like that's that's a process to break, right? Like that's taking like a child into an adult. Like you can do it, but it doesn't happen in a day. And that's like even the tie preference and the learning came many years later for me. Like really, that was probably being Bitcoin only since twenty twenty. That probably really didn't show up until 
Safe means second book, right? Fiat standard. And like, I think that's when I used that term more and I started to think about it more. I understood it more and, and, and saw it correlate to my like interests. Like the girl that felt very high time preference, I was less attracted to the, you know, the, the people that were all very high time preference. I felt more anxious around and less. And yeah, exactly. Less this, right. You're like, anxiety yeah, you're, around think, you're, you're feeling what's cool tomorrow. I'm thinking about what's good in a decade. Like, Sure, I have to be wrong, but shit, the difference in where we're even starting point of our goals are so vastly different that I don't give a fuck about you right. and your Gucci bag or whatever's the high time preference joy of that week. It's funny you can you can classify people as within their time preference. That's an interesting thought. Like if you have uh, a yeah, high I time preference, it's, it. it's it's likely that you're you know a certain type of person, and if you have a low time preference, it's likely you're other type. Yeah, like I think the cool thing about it is like you can take a personality and you can see in some ways like if they were low time preference, how their innate traits that are being expressed in this way, the high time preference thing could be good, right? So someone that likes, you know, really high quality items is maybe wasting them in designer goods and luxury, which is somewhat wiser than buying Walmart goods because there is some resale to them and you might think you're you know, kind of keeping up in fiat terms, but had you understood that same thing with low time preference, you'd be buying Bitcoin, right? What is the most luxury, the most desirable good that will ever exist? It's the one thing everyone else wants. And like, unless we bring back slavery. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking you, for... We're probably Bitcoin's uh, probably humans. I'm looking for low time preference in the streets, high time preference in the sheets. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Right, don't make me work that one. Super high time for it. Did you just come up with that That's shit? That's Oh yeah, man, I came Did up with really? that one. Right, yeah. Oh, that, that uh, has to be a tweet you send out for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, so, did you before you hit the low time preference phase? Did you have a? Did you, were you a trader? Did you go through? You said no, you were trading so, in, a, in a, a Tesla and no, Bitcoin no, no. a little uh, bit. Having that accounting background, the tax implications alone make trading kind of impossible. Like you start talking about let's assume I have enough holdings that i can claim everything is uh long term even though i'm trading right but i pick the lots i sell that's the one thing i've had fun with in uh in bitcoin is it is what i say it is and so like my taxes for 22 where i did have to like uh dispose of some bitcoin i'll decide which lots i sold this year so i can consider these years behaviors and actions if any habit right like the longer i have to pick a thing the better I could tell that story. Um, but not, nah, man. I never traded. I was never that good at it. I never Me had either. an interest. I, I kind of, I always read the joke, traders and traders are the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, right. Like, you don't really believe in something if you're selling it every time it's slightly just, better. Just on the bandwagon, yeah. trying to make like, some fiat. And the people, right, exactly. And that that's the thing. It's like, you're just trading for fiat. You still think fiat's money. Um, and I get people that are like, no, you understand. I do all this trading and I get more Bitcoin. Then, like, sure, you might, but you're so busy doing all this trading, you don't understand it. Right, so exactly. Who, uh, you missed the forest for the trees. Been on it since 2016, and you know they had money going into it, and they've spent all this time trading shit coins. Their mental image of Bitcoin is still quite immature, right? Like, they're going, oh, I want more, but they don't know what it is, and because they've spent so much time trading shit coins for Bitcoin. 
they're still stuck in a shitcoin layer of life. Right. And they measure their Bitcoin value in fiat. And like, you yeah, may make more money, but you're, you're handicapping your like development. You're handicapping yourself. Really? You're Nancy Kerrigan or uh, Tanya Harding. You're taking a, a hammer to your own knee. Right. It's, it's like banging one ten or, or 33s. Like, uh, right. you could sit there and claim, like, I blew you out of the water, but you're kind of like, sure, dude, but are you proud of this? Right. Is that what you should have done? Is that the best use of your time? Yeah. What, are what, you ready what, what for the next could... time a 10 walks by? You're not going to be like, oh, I can handle this. No, you're weak, right? You're like, oh, maybe a three or a four next one. What could you have done with all that time that you were banging threes? Because you, if you're banging threes, it's def- you're definitely taking longer. So you're wasting your time. That's exactly right. It's a, it's a full-time job when a part-time job wouldn't work. Exactly. Jeremy, what would it be to um, help someone through their taxes, like a, specifically a Bitcoiner? Is that an easy what process? It, it depends on what they did. So the, the hardest part with taxes ever in life is they're very individual, right? So like you and I could be the same person, but because you have a kid or because you're married, or because you live in a different state, or because of some shit you did prior year or intend to do next year, the answers can be different. And also your goals, right? Like, don't, the best thing to do in taxes is planning. Most people think about their taxes after the year's over, which makes them fixed in time, which makes them useless to think about. Um, I always recommend people do kind of quarterly reviews, have a plan, have an expectation. Shit changes. You get a new job, you lose a job you come into lunch your money through a, a business venture, whatever it is. Um, but like taxes are hard to generalize without right. being extremely general. You think about it that we do all this tax planning and estate planning and people think about how they can structure their trusts, their LLCs, like for tax advantage purposes, for all these different reasons to get around some regulation. Right. And like there's, there's opportunities to do that in the Bitcoin space too, because the way you structure UTXOs, the way you track your lots, the way that you track your like first in first out, like there's cheap ways to use the Bitcoin network. If you follow the right rules, if you know, if you have a bunch of UTXOs in a multi-sig wallet, it's going to cost you a shitload of money and in, in fees, right? Like these fees to use the network. Yep. But if you consolidate your UTXOs, you label them, you keep track of the, the price, the cost basis, you can save a whole lot of money spending directly on the base layer but also navigating how to save money when it comes to taxes so do you ever think about being a tax consultant for bitcoiners i've, I've kind of thought about it um i haven't done it i haven't thought about it enough i want to do it because like i somewhat hold some belief that you can just out hodl the irs right like, IRS is all the CND students I went to school with. Like they're not good at it. People like stress the IRS, right? And I'm like, outside of their fear tactics, right? That's really their best lever. Like that's what they use intimidation. Yeah, they get a notice from the IRS and they go, "Oh no, this is important." And then they they do all of the work for them instead of just being kind of like, "Okay, and it is what I say it is, right? Isn't that the rule? Cool. Well, we you're going to come prove it. Yeah, right. You got questions and. So you're talking about UTXO. I don't think that that's smart. So like the way I manage quote unquote UTXO is simply at the fiat level. So if I like, let's say on strike, I'm buying a dollar an hour. 
So each one of those dollar purchases I consider its own lot. And then I just try to like, I just mark which ones I sell if I ever have to dispose of Bitcoin. And I don't do first in, first out, or last in, first sure. out. Sure. I do basically whatever the fuck I say it is. Right. Is out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some meters, you know, you might need, you might have gains, and so you want to pick cheap lots and then reduce your gains. Uh, I mean, at the bear market bottom, I just took a rough estimate of how much Bitcoin I had acquired above that price. I sold it all and bought it all right back. And I'm like, all right, right. well, now I can write this off forever. One thing I can tell the government. So like I've had a loss every year and let me just bring like a cost basis down over time while using their system against them. Right. Like, right. People don't understand like the volatility of Bitcoin has, it's not just an advantage going up. It's an advantage going down. If you bought a bunch of Bitcoin at 60,000 and you sold it at at 17,000, well, now you got, ten thousand dollars a year that or a couple thousand dollars a year up to ten thousand that you can write off on your taxes for the rest of your life yeah yeah you can take three grand a year until it expires or let's say you carry forward 2500 grand and it pops off one day and you're like oh i'd like to recognize some of this you're like oh i'm going to eat into that 25 grand of deferred losses and cool and again like i can always just pick my lots i mean i think that changes with coming regulation one day uh i think they'll turn off the dca like did you guys see that chase notice that went yeah. around yeah, yeah it's yeah, really yeah. just uk chase yeah right like, as if october sound crypto but it's just a word i consider a cuss word um stuff's gonna be banned but like that wouldn't surprise me that that becomes indirectly back to the way to shut off people mind right right turn off the dca commode which is why i'm kind of intrigued with mining more so now than I've ever been in the sense of like a hosted miner, if you could find a, a good version. Um, because that might be the only way you can DCA because they'll never be anti-Bitcoin and they can never say normal business transactions are unreasonable, but I can sure put enough roadblocks in that like you taking dollars and converting to Bitcoin becomes odorous beyond anyone's normal capacity. You know, I, I crush Coinbase or I let them become the custodian of the ETF and go, here's your new business model, bitch. You can't do whatever you're doing. But I I could see where, you know, okay, I pay one twenty a month for some hosting fee for some electricity and maybe I get a hundred bucks in Bitcoin, maybe I get one thirty. You know, right? Like that it depends a lot on uptime and a bunch of shit that you don't throw. But I kinda think that she might be where we end up well before we see hyper bitcoinization because the whole they laugh at you then they fight you then you win like we've got to be going to the they fight us point yeah because it's just it's too obvious in many ways yeah i mean they, they're going to try to cut off the they obviously lose i don't think they're going to try to completely cut off uh you know converting dollars to bitcoin but it's going to get caught up with so much of that crypto stuff like the chase stuff that it's going to make it super pain in the ass and i think that's going to cause people to find creative ways like you mentioned mining but there i think there's more than just mining i think that you can find ways you'll be able to sell data kilobytes per second for for sats you know using lightning like a lot of people think oh everybody's going to be paying for lightning with their wall of satoshi or their fucking zeus app or whatever but really i think what's going to happen is you're just going to have people that open up channels with their cable provider with their internet provider with uh hosting providers and they're just going to be like on demand like i want this many minutes of internet or this many kilobytes to stream content and i'll just send you sats on demand as i'm you know i'm streaming it so people will be like all right i'll just let people use 
Bitcoin, pay a transaction, and I'll let them use Wi-Fi outside my nail salon or my coffee shop or whatever. It's like, I'll just spend data. They won't let me spend money directly to buy the Bitcoin. So I'll just give people my extra data or my extra electricity or whatever. You know, it's just like, there's no way they can stop information, people changing, people trading different types of information. And Bitcoin is just information. No, yeah, I agree on that. Can, can I just make a point of something that you made me think about? That the miners, are they the new banks? DCA army? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's bi- they basically, could be. if they're the ones that are the only ones that can get Bitcoin, that's yeah, how they're it the comes mint. into the network. Yep. And all the banks are cutting off the buying of it. Then the only way yep. to get Bitcoin will be through a mine. You have to mine it. <laughs> right. right. Hodl it. Yeah. So they will, they in essence will become the new banks. The fiat system will. I thought about that before. That's an interesting. Yeah. And I mean, and it's, it's not terribly different that the wealthy people in that scenario would be people that had a bunch of energy, right? So your oil, you know, families and all that still wealth. So like, oh yeah, we've got X units of oil, which convert to X units of Bitcoin. We're still rich as fuck. Although you have to run that diminishing half-life, right? And that's where you get, yeah, it's, when we, this is off topic, when I start looking out like 2030s and stuff, and you just start looking at how small the block reward is and like how little Bitcoin's produced a day, like it blows my mind. You couldn't afford to buy the Bitcoin network's computing power today, yet you could afford to buy it, which we expect it to grow, or even if it stayed static, 20 years forward, you can actually afford that amount of network power for a day. And like that kind of trips me out because if that's your valuation model, you know, as much as we call what's Bitcoin worse and oh, it goes up forever and all these kind of statements, but like that would kind of make sense if the network gets stronger and then the reward is cut, you know, quite nominally from what are it, 900 to 450, 225, 112, 56, 28, 14. I mean, you started talking about like, I know people that have 14 Bitcoin, right? Like not a ton of people, but it's not a zero sum figure. And you're talking in seven halvings in 28 years, that would be the entire daily production, which currently is, you know, tens of millions of dollars. And you're like, holy shit, dude. Like if that trend holds, like the value of what we're dealing with is so insane that I actually more worry about building my character now than my Bitcoin stack. Yeah. Because I'm like, we slept with questions I'm not ready for. Right. The Michael Saylor talks about the marginal cost of like producing energy being driven to zero by Bitcoin mining. So like what happens next? When energy is free, anybody can mine. No, when energy becomes effectively free, it just moves to who's the who makes the most efficient best machines that can give you the most amount of compute, the most amount of, of work and right, productivity. And machines won't be free. It, with, yeah, exactly. But they'll, they'll drive the production. Of, they'll, they'll just keep driving the next level that you get to. So right now it's energy. We're going to drive energy down to zero. Then we're going to drive yeah. product, you know, fabrication of semiconductors and, uh, you know, computer chips, the most, you know, valuable resource to economies today, essentially drive that down to zero, nearly zero. Then what's next going and getting fucking Silicon and all this material to drive that down to zero. It's just going to keep driving the price of everything down. And that's when you get into Jeff Booth's like deflationary prosperity world. I'm starting yeah, to kind of exactly. see it, what he's talking about. 
heck yeah, yeah. Booth, I think, put together the my favorite argument. As much as Saverdine's books made me get it, like Price of Tomorrow made me like feel it, I guess. Or, or, or yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. It became a reality. You're like it helped you conceptualize yeah, wait, why it. Why isn't that that way? And I and I've used this simple argument, you know. Hey, does te- technology make things cheaper? Like, yeah, I'm like, but why do prices go up? And like, the face is kind of like, yeah, right. You know, they, then why is the iPhone fifteen hundred dollars? Oh I shit! So get a I phone saw for thirty uh, bucks twenty one years ago or twenty three years ago, whatever the math was. I don't know. I saw a meme of it, but it was like, oh, a new Nokia brick phone that had snake it was like one hundred and sixty bucks. I literally just plugged that into a financial calculator and said, what is that at seven percent a year? And it's exactly cost of life on that. And you're like, oh, nothing changed. It's just the dollars devalued. And so, like, I should be able to buy an iPhone for the same price I bought a Nokia 160. It just got better features over all these years to the point right. now it's like a small computer instead of a cheap little crappy phone. And, like, oh, that's neat. Like, if that was how things worked, where the phone's price stayed flat for all these years and you just got better features, again, we understand how suddenly. That benefits the poor because like now i don't use a and if you're making 40 grand a thousand dollar phone is not a zero percent of your income right. purchase right like right but 160 dollars is is seven one percent so you know you start to really feel just how bad they're fucking the people they claim to be helping um which is yeah right why like I, you have to I live need, by back in cf stalkery or die trying modem yeah Right. I mean, you had to be, you didn't have to have a cell phone in 1999, 2001, but now you have to have a fucking iPhone to survive, man. Yeah. No, it really is true. Like, uh, get on a flight, you know, like some of them don't even have check-in anymore. You fly the cheap airway. Then again, if you're poor at this point, we're assuming you're on Frontier Spirit. Yeah. Big fan of both. (laughs) Especially if you don't need to bring anything with you. Like, dude, 50 bucks, you're done. I can go somewhere. I think Spirit's good. I think Spirit's going to be the first Bitcoin airline in the sense that they're going to remove the chairs. <laughs> Dude, I, you, know, you just got to double stack them. You got to double yeah. stack them. So. Right. If you like uh, make people sell each other's laughs. So now that you're kind of a nomad, what, what do you when you meet people in new cities, are you meeting normies and Bitcoiners, or is it kind of like just Bitcoiners at this point? Dude, I use Orange Plan. And I only okay. meet Bitcoiners to the extent. I mean, like, I've tried to join every meetup I found. Yeah. Like, on meetup. Um, Tampa Bay, there's a really cool group, Bitcoin Bay, down there. The young dudes starting something going on, trying to compete with the Nashville and Austin scene. So I really enjoyed that. I was there for the summer. How decent amount of the reason I went back was because those young dudes are pretty cool. Uh, you know, they're all, they're all like true Bitcoiners, but they're more in their 20s. I'm in my later 30s. So, like, it's nice to get that mindset if you gave me it 10 years ago would i have been a better person yes right would have also enabled me to make certain decisions more that were stupid easier also yes right so it's like kind of fun to like mentor those kids like don't do that shit don't do that stay away from those kind of women like yeah i know they look fun and trust me they actually are but there's more trouble there than you're worth and like yeah it's just an it's like an iceberg you, what you see is just above the surface what you're gonna get yourself into is is it's I'm not yep. sure you're ready. Right. Yeah. It could be, could be regretting that. Um, could I, I just make this point that when we were speaking about, you know, the mining and the miners getting the, the Bitcoin, I'm sorry to go back to this. 
But it made me think, this conversation made me think that Bitcoin is taking a snapshot of reality every, basically every 10 minutes, I guess. Am I right? Right. And the snapshot involves the amount of energy that was placed into that block of time, right? More or less. Yeah. I mean, we're talking hash rate, right? Hash rate is, you, ha you it's recorded, isn't it? Recorded from block right, yeah, to block. It's, yeah, you know what the difficulty is, yeah. So that that information is is like frozen in time in an immutable ledger. That seems pr uh, pretty valuable. This is what this made me think of. <laughs> there was no, an additional like part of that, but... I actually like that thought, which is interesting because you're saying like in 30 years, somewhere looking like how how hard was it to do this work at that time? Right, right. record, like, right. Yeah, you have the record. Like, well, you have the record. That's right. Minutes to walk five miles, and you're like, okay, uh, how do I know that? Whereas now it's like, oh shit, here's a here's a world record of him, you know, doing the five miles uphill both ways in 20 minutes right. or whatever. Like, yeah, his story was. You're suddenly like, oh shit, Gramps wasn't lying. Right? It wasn't some tale. It was some fact. Uh, now, and then, yeah, that now would that be interesting to see how that now changes. That you've got the, now that you've got the time chain, you've got that record. Now you, it's almost like a cipher, like the Rosetta Stone. Now you can go back and translate, like how much energy were they putting into this money or into this? How much, you know, what were the transactions taking place? What was the volume? What was the, the fee per, uh, or uh, sats per VVite fee? You have that snapshot where you can assess what, what a culture's values were in the past and then equate how much energy they put into a system. That's a really cool idea. Yeah. Like that's kind of Mike. I mean, like when we, we, we met in El Salvador on the beach getting high. That's why we formed this podcast. This is what we were talking about. The amount of energy you could see in each block. And we're still fucking fascinated by it. I mean, it's a thought of, you know, how big is that thought? The, the idea that you right. can have uh, something locked in, you know, it's like in a state, you know? Yeah, it, a, a, it's, a, it's a, snapshot a snapshot of state. That, But it's not just a snapshot. It's like a snapshot that is true that we can all verify is true. Right. And, we're all, and it's like that's what exactly happened at that time. And this is how much energy was put into it. And we can make our, we can infer, uh, you know, information from that based on our own perspective but it's it's like a universal thing that everybody's drawing like time everybody kind of talks about the time that something happened in the past well depending on where you were in the world or what your perspective was it could have been night day depending on what time in the part of the world you were in like it's it affects the way you think about things but everybody's got the, the universal like uh coordination which is the time chain Yeah, Bitcoin's so cool, right? It's just so it is, cool. dude. It does it so cool. many things beyond what you think it does. Yeah, the the record aspect is really what what gets me. I think that's. I mean, what just you can the fact that you could tie these two things together and keep a record of it. I mean, that's pretty one of the cool. yeah one of the things I I've said on this show before. I think that hyper Bitcoinization also you know could mean everybody's using it. It's the the reserve currency, whatever. But I also think it's like an individual thing where it's like once you kind of cross over and you're living the Bitcoin standard, so to speak, whether that's 
your unit of account or just the way you live your life and the people you hang out with. It sounds like since you've gone nomad, you've kind of living on the Bitcoin standard yourself or you're, you've kind of hyper Bitcoinized and you've crossed over to the other side. Do you think you can go back and go work for a fiat company again once this once you have to? Right. No, you so can't. like I've looked out, man. So like I've known since June and I've kind of like lolly guy and shit. And uh I've looked at jobs I have you and like I've been remote, right? So like even the fiat job I had was pretty pretty chill compared to some. And I just remember like someone like, Yeah, you'd be in the office four days a week and I'm thinking like I'm gonna have to like physically move somewhere. And live there just so I can work. Like, wait. And then I, I come around asking, they're like, yo, I've got an older mom, right? My pops passed away two years ago. I try to see her once a quarter. Let him do shit. She's an old lady in her 70s, right? We go to dinner, we go to lunch, maybe. She just likes that I'm around, I just want to talk to you, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, I don't want to take a week off to go do that. Like, I can just work there. I'm like, do with anything. Like, literally, I'm not doing anything. I have plenty of time to work. If anything, I can work more. I have nothing else to do. I mean, I got friends in the area and I got excuses, but let's be realistic. Like, if I had to work, I'm, that's a s- safe place. Uh, th- like, that's an ideal location. I've got no distractions. And I'm like, you're telling me I have to take time off to go back out with my elderly mom to do nothing? Like, bro, wait, you're going to give me two weeks? Like, poof, I can't. My head just like starts to like struggle. I felt very claustrophobic. So I was like, oh, man, I'm not ready. And then, interview with a different one they were remote but like it was just fiat fuckery and like that's, de- that's definitely clown world man hurt man. I just don't. it's I just know, outdated and that's where that's where bitcoin is is winning right like because now you don't even have to stay in the united states you can work anywhere and somebody can pay you or you, you know what i mean it's like if you work for a bitcoin company most of them let you work remote anyway like you can be anywhere right. in the world yeah, yeah, I'm trying to land a job at a Bitcoin miner startup that's going on. And hopefully that pans out and I can share true stories in the future about that working because I just, to, you know, to be able to like talk to like you guys each day, if you're the marketing dude and he was the sales guy yeah. and we just happen to run at each other, this is the conversation you get to have like, hey, what's going on? This, this and that. And like, right. that's your perspective. Like, what about the pleasure of enjoying your coworkers and not having to hear about like, the I get to say retard at work. <laughs> Exactly. Like you could be honest, heaven forbid. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, and it's just, you know, you, you, right. You filter out a lot of the crazies themselves, right? Because right. you, you can't, you can't believe in truth and fantasy at the same time. It just becomes very uncomfortable. At some point you have to like admit to yourself, you're like, one of these is real. Either I'm actually not, you know, a woman, even though I claim it or a cat or whatever the fuck else. Right. Right. Uh, I had a burning question that I that made me think of, but I I, I lost it, and I'm I don't want to take us down a, a train, and I can't think of what it, what it was. So, well, I guess uh, I'll ask the the question we always ask on here, which we haven't asked yet, which is what is like the aspect of it that's like burning your curiosity and like that's, yeah. got you thinking about lately. Bitcoin, what what is it that still makes me for doom? Yeah, what's it, yeah, like what's got you like up at night, like thinking, oh, that's crazy shit. Uh, I, I I have different things, like you know, every couple months, mining is like big on mine right now. Yeah, um, mining 
replacing the IMF is the one that always gets in fired on. Uh, like you're just like, dude, like I can show up and do everything the IMF claims to do, but actually deliver, and I can do it cheap, faster, and without debt obligations that make you a slave. And like to me, that's cool as shit. Because like, if you talk about infrastructure and then having a capital outlay, it's a fact. You can't avoid that. The fact that if you have no money, it's hard to make that investment. No shit. Makes perfect sense. If you're telling me you can bring in a third party who has this slight interest with you that wants to do it on your behalf to take advantage in the beginning and then basically let themselves get priced out of the market over time and just hand it back to the people. And all of that makes free economic sense. Like that's cool. Cause the IMF doesn't make any sense, right? Like it's charity without the real charity component, but it's, it's pretend charity. Whereas like Bitcoin, I think brings back true charity. Cause if you lose government, at least at the scale we're used to, it tries to do everything and claims that it does and but has no money for it. those things would dwindle off. Cause we keep the things we truly do want, whatever that might be. Um, I think that you're going to need people to be charitable again. And if people think back, you know, hundred plus years, hospitals used to be ran by churches. And if you couldn't afford it, they considered it like an act of serving God to just give you the services. Like they didn't care. The doctors already had their salary. Everyone already had the payment, but I mean, you couldn't sue them for your stupidity and yada, 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 all the other challenges that now exist to try to give someone free healthcare. Um, I think those things kind of reemerge. You're going to have, you know, some Michael Saylor Institute of Virology who's, you know, has a hundred Bitcoin endowment in perpetuity that just does things. And I mean, like, if you think, you know, at the 17,000 or so he owns personally, I, you know, the Saylor Academy, everything he's done, but like, let's go and slap two zeros behind that number. Right. Whatever that age is, and let's go add, you know, 10 years to his life. Because people age who seem to have the, a proper moral footing um, tend to want to help, right? Like, they want to see right. the world a better place than they, they got to experience, even if they were the you know, top echelon. So They want like, to leave their legacy, and they want that legacy to be viewed positively. Yeah, and, like, I, I think as you age, at some point you realize... Most of the shit I cared about didn't fucking care about me. Uh, it's not memorable. I, right. I wouldn't talk about it today. Yet I, you know, worried about it so many years then. Um, but like saving a little kid from Ecuador, I don't care if you did that at 10 or you did that at 50, you're going to remember that because it was a port. Because like you right. saved a kid. Like, holy shit, that's fucking wild. So. Hell yeah, man. So tell, uh, Tell the listeners where they can, uh, especially a company, a Bitcoin company who might be looking for an accountant, where they can get in touch with you, where they can find you and there reach out to Bitcoin you. Uh, no, across everything at this point, I'm just Jeremy Hoddle on you know, Twitter, all those side things, Signal and Telegram that pop up and all that. Uh, we, that's the best place to get a hold of me in this scenario because my fiat life and this life in theory aren't quite the same. I hope to bridge that gap with the Bitcoin company. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. So if you need they get to back to the, I could say retard at work and people are just like, Hey, <laughs> Doug's right there. We both know he's fucking retarded. <laughs> and then Doug laughs, right? Like that's the kind of group you want to be with. Uh, and you can just like have that fun. Oh, quick. 
side story. The job before the wine job, I got fired at for making racist jokes and funny comment. So your HR's worst nightmare. <laughs> Dude, I uh, the favorite part about that was the gal that was technically the the foundation of the joke was a pregnancy joke about the dude she was with. Uh, oh. Like a year later, when I turned out to be right, she was like, yeah, Jarrah was right. I was like, you're a cool-ass chick. She actually <laughs> works in each other at that point, too. So. Uh, good That's days. perfect. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy, thanks for thanks so much for coming on tonight. Hey, man, thanks you guys for having me. I don't, yeah. I don't know how I got so lucky, but I appreciate it. Yeah, I knew I wanted to talk to you because uh, uh, I remember when you... When we we took a cab together, you and I. Yeah, and I, I remember this. I wanted to talk to this guy. That neat little fucking wine. But I usually, I imagine we were relatively having a good time at a decoyer then. So. It was good. I'm pretty cool, sure man. that I'm pretty sure you were drunk and you were using some kind of accent, and I thought you were yellow. That it definitely was going to be a fake Russian accent, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a fucking great time. This is again. Where else can you just meet random people trying to be as offensive as possible? They laugh and love it. Yeah, exactly. Like, every time I run into like, you know, someone of a different race, I'm like, holy shit, I got a racist joke for you. And they just laugh because they realize what we realize is once you have Bitcoin, like I can't actually harm you. It doesn't matter right. if I actually truly did hate you. I got no power over you. And that's why you could not laugh at me, even if I was truly meant the words I was saying instead of as a right. joke. And like, I don't know. I think that's the one of the most beautiful things about Bitcoin is it. It forces you to be honest. Hell yeah. Which is like, we're authentic. more authentic. It forces you to be authentic. Yeah. yeah. We're so much more so that we're different. All right, man. Well, cut it. Thanks again for listening to the High Hash Rate podcast. You can find us on Twitter at High Hash Rate, or you can hit up Dan at Heartland Bitcoin, H R T L N D Bitcoin, or myself, Mike at Run Dance Bitcoin. That's all one word, Run Dance Bitcoin. If you're a fellow pleb or you just want to shoot the shit with two high Bitcoiners, reach out to us. Holy Toledo!